Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Old Lady Speaks podcast on black and white and red all over. I'm your host, Danny, coming to you for episode number 74. And remember, if you want to listen to us wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts, podcasts, I should say, feel free to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts on all three of those platforms. Search black, ampersand, white, ampersand, white, ampersand, red all over, all over the place already. That's a good sign for the rest of this episode. So knowing that... We shall bring in the crew here of Sam Lopresi. Hello, Sam. How's it going today, Danny? As you can tell from the intro, very well. Chucks, hello, Chucks. Yeah, tongue twisters are uh, are tricky, and and intros are actually more difficult than they look sound. Um, I never thought about this until like recently. A uh, podcast I was listening to mentioned that, so yeah, they are more difficult than they sound. Last but not least, Sergio. Hello, Sergio. Hey, fellas, happy to be here, as always. I'm happy that we're approaching the 70s because in three episodes' time, I think we're going to get the last time that we can do the numbers gimmick. I think that's, that's right. going to be the last time. Yeah, I'm excited right. for that. I'm looking forward to it. Yes, we haven't done the numbers gimmick in, 30, in almost 30 or so episodes, and all of a sudden, it'll be back, baby. Opportunity will knock. That's right. And we will that's take right. it. <laughs> well, as you can tell, we're in a good mood, and that's because Juventus, thankfully came out of the international break with a very solid performance against an old chain-smoking pal of ours. And we're going to do something a little new here on the podcast. And we're going to start off with one main takeaway from the weekend. And we will start with Sergio, who brought up the numbers. 
coming back. So Sergio, your main takeaway from the weekend. No, the biggest takeaway for me for this game was just how sometimes just destiny forces your hand and saves you from yourself. And I think that's what happened with Max Allegri and Adrian Rabio in this game. I think the injury for Danilo, obviously you never want to see some a guy get hurt. Hopefully he comes back soon. But that just forced his hand into finally taking Adrian Rabio out of that left wing, putting him in that midfield spot. And surprisingly to no one except Max Allegri, I guess, the team looked so much better. Like it looked so much more composed, such a better form. It, it just, you know, it, it's crazy. But if you put players in their positions, they tend to play better. And that's what happened. I think this was one of the better results for Juventus, not only because of the win, which was something that they definitely needed, but just because of how they played, I think it was just consistently one of the better performances they have had in terms of overall quality in the 90 minutes. So that, that that's my biggest takeaway. I think, you know, it's been stop and start all season, but I think this is something that they can definitely build on if, if they actually build on this formation and build on, on this way of, of playing. Chuck's your main takeaway and make sure that it's Sam's. <laughs> no, mine is unlikely to be Sam's. No, my uh, main takeaway from the, the game was uh, someone I've talked about quite a bit over the last, I'll say, six, seven, eight months or so. And uh, that's Dejan Kulusevsky. I had been pretty critical of him for, I think, really most of the last season. And then he did pretty well kind of end of last season, last kind of last few games last season. And coming into this season started out pretty well. And I pretty sure I'm on record saying that I was like, Hey, well done, you know, uh, well done Kulusevsky. And, you know, I sort of took back my words there and said, you know, he's improving well, but yeah, last, uh, the Lazio game, uh, man, it was just an example of just extremely, extremely frustrating aspects of his play. He'll get in good positions. He's technically, I mean, he is good. I mean, he can just good short passing, Pretty decent long passes. I mean, that one long pass to Chiesa, of course, for the second goal, uh, well, for the penalty leading up to the second goal, um, was excellent too. And defensively, he's pretty good too. I mean, he works hard and he just, you know, backs up his his fullback on the right side. So, yeah, I mean, you know, he just works hard, tact tactically smart, and he's just a good, you know, good chap. But um, it's just that he's the complete opposite of Chiesa in the sense that Chiesa has the ball and he knows what he's going to do. Like, he just knows, like, I'm going to, you know, like I'm going to get past this player. I'm going to pass or I'm going to shoot. You, you can see he just absolutely has conviction about what he, what he's going to do. Kuliseski just always seems in three minds, four minds of <laughs> what he's going to do. And he seems to be changing his mind every second as he's on the ball. And it's just, you know, it's, it's very frustrating. Um, I think we all remember that one moment in the second half. I think it was where he just great counterattack. He had the ball and he just essentially like, stumbled over the ball so um yeah very frustrating but i mean i still believe in him but you know he's just i just you know you just want him to do better you just know he can do better uh offensively anyway what you got samuel i got luca pellegrini danny because dang like that was a hell of a game from him Felipe Anderson is one of the most informed wingers in the league right now and he shut him down at to the point where anderson was visibly angry at the fact that he couldn't get anything done on that side. And he was equal, just as good going forward as his pass into Morata was, uh, was the cause of that first penalty kick. He threw in a couple of nice crosses, a couple of, uh, a couple of good corner kicks even. And it just, 
it was it made me really happy to see after all this time him finally getting a chance in a Juve shirt and really delivering which he's done when he has been playing this year he's you know he was very good in the in the Napoli game for the time he was on the field and this was this was a surprise start for him I figured Sandro would would get the call here but Allegri put him on and he was nails and and as happy as I am for that it also ticks me off because why could we not have been seeing that we had this kind of guy two years ago when we had him at first why was he if why was he on loan for this long and just left for nothing when it this looks you know I mean yes the sample size is very small he has to replicate this but this looks really, really good and really, really promising for him as a really viable option on that left back spot um, to at least have a really good tandem with uh, w- with Alexandro so that if one guy, you know, if, if Sandro needs a break, you have a reliable guy to go in. If not, pushing Sandro for that spot because if he plays more like this, it's going to be difficult to justify putting him on the bench. Yes, and we will now... Now let's get into a little bit more of the Allegri versus Saudi battle. Obviously, it was the headliner coming in to this game simply because Saudi replaced Allegri, and then obviously Saudi lasted all of one season, albeit a title title winning season, and then was replaced by Andrea Pirlo, who who has since been replaced by Max Allegri. Always if, the simple plots. <laughs> it's always it it's it's always simple to say as we've come to find out, which is about everything I've been trying to say today. So I feel like Max Allegri, this was obviously a classic kind of Allegri game. And, you know, you get two penalties, two very much correctly called penalties, I might add. And then Leonardo Bonucci, of course, the center back scoring after a couple of forwards get win the penalties. But this was Allegri really, you know, flexing his muscle over sorry, I feel like. And obviously, Nochiro Mobley had a big impact on what Lazio was or wasn't able to do, but Allegri really, I mean, he just choked out any hope of Lazio doing anything. And I feel like the kind of one, my one big takeaway is that even though Lazio had so much more of the ball, especially in the first half, when they finished with one shot on target and it wasn't even that dangerous of a shot on target, that just shows you one how well Juventus played, and just two how well they executed Max Allegri's plan, which finally is nice to see. Yeah, I, I agree with you, and I agree with you for the most part because as as well as that defensive game plan was was played, there was a point with about twelve minutes to go where if Sadi had had an option on his bench any better than Vidat Mariqui, it's one one. Because that you had that ball in from Acerbi that uh, Milinkovic Savic headed across, headed back across, and somehow Mariqui contrived to jump late and miss the ball when he had a, a free header into the goal to to tie the game. You know, if you know, imagine if Felipe Caicedo was still on Lazio, that's a one-one game. It was I, I wrote this in my my post match that it was I, I was getting vibes of that that game at the Olympico last year when, you know, Ronaldo scored early and it looked like we were in total control. And then one mistake with 10 seconds left saw Lazio uh, equalize on the last kick of the game. And there were so many opportunities for Juve to end this thing 
by the time that by the hour mark, you know, within the first five minutes of the half, they could have scored three times of the, uh, the second half. They could have, they could have scored three times, probably should have scored three times or at least twice that, that has to be improved on because you can play the Allegri dance, the one nil dance as much as you like, but you are running on that razor's edge, especially against, against teams like Lazio uh, teams like Atalanta on Sun on Saturday, you know, you play like that on against Atalanta on Saturday, you have to be inch perfect. And Atalanta aren't going to be missing Duvan Zapata. So as much as the defensive game plan worked and worked very well, you've got to score more goals. You've got to score more goals from open play. You've got to get these, you've got to finish these chance some of these counterattacks and chances or just take the ball and make a couple of your own just to get, just to relieve your own pressure. But you cannot keep going into the last phases of the game up only one nil and expect every single time to win. You've got to put it away that, and especially with two huge games coming up with Chelsea on Tuesday and with Atalanta, which could really be a major factor in the top four race, given that Atalanta are the next team up in the standings in fourth Juve currently sitting either fifth or sixth, depending on how they, they write up the, the tiebreaker situation right now with Roma, you know, with Atalanta sitting right above four points up, you lose that game and your chances of getting into the top four are going to take a real hit. So you, you've got to put games away and you've got to do it quick because you, you, you dance on the knife's edge enough. You're going to get cut. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with your just overall uh, sentiment there, Sam, because it is kind of ironic because we had this whole 3-5-2 slash 4-4-2. It did seem like a 3-5-2 at some points, I guess. I mean, it's hard to judge because Danilo came off so early. I thought it was and more, I thought after Danilo came on, I th- off, I thought it was kind of a 4-5-1. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like before Danilo t- came off, and it's hard to judge because it was only like 15 minutes. So, you know, it's hard to. It, it really, was, it was looking three five two definitely. Yeah, yeah, and and live live score, uh, live score.com, which they tend to be quite on point with their formations and stuff. They had it listed as a three five two, but you know it's kind of ironic then that moving from this whole Rabio experiment on the left to now a yeah four five one slash four three three, which was after uh, Danilo got injured. That of course you know we looked better. Definitely looked a lot better. Just kind of more coherent. Rabio was you know, fantastic as well, I thought, um, yesterday. But then, of course, the, you know, you've created a solution, but then you've created another problem, which is when Dybala is fit again, you know, where is he going to play if we maintain a 4-3-3? Is it going to be that right-sided, yeah, right-sided, right-forward, right-wing forward position, uh, again, where he drifts inside? I mean, you know, he, he can do an adequate job there, but I think we've seen him be in excellent form this year, for no surprise, because he's playing in his best position, which once again is, you know, as Sergio said, what a surprise that happens when you play players in their correct positions. Uh, you know, what a surprise that happens that uh, they actually tend to play well then. But with just, okay, the team playing better, you know, what's going to happen to Dybala then? Um, is he then going to play center forward? Well, then you have to drop Morata, of course, um, which, yeah, I mean, Morata, I mean, he plays overall quite well. Um, not you know, phenomenal, but he plays decently. But yeah, I mean, that's that's the that's the conundrum there. And you know, just with the whole attacking issue, there were times throughout the game where I just thought, like, man, this game really needs someone like DiBala to just kind of connect in terms of going forward. It needed someone to like, you know, foot on the ball, playmaker, 
to get the ball and actually like kind of keep the ball flowing through the attack rather than, okay, you play the ball straight to Morata. He has the ball and then he kind of tries and twists and turn out of it. But, you know, he, yeah, it, it kind of it hits a bit of a wall. Not, not, you know, not Morata's fault there, but I mean, he's, he's more of a focal point rather than a distributor rather than a playmaker. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's good to have a solution now and have Rabio play in a, you know, his natural position and just have the team play, you know, yeah, just play better in the 4-3-3 slash 4-5-1. But, you know, we've uh, created sort of an extra problem, which, uh, well, I'm, I mean, I have faith that Allegri can solve it. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm curious to see what he'll do, if he'll switch back to his old system or uh, keep uh, keep the good thing going on. Yeah, I, you know, the, the thing, I while I was watching the game, one of the Spanish announcers uh, mentioned that all-time, with this win, Max Allegri is seven wins and two draws against Mauricio Sarri-led teams, which felt like a lot. It felt very lopsided. I don't I don't really know if that stat is correct, but it, what I can say is that I, it feels like Allegri has gotten the best of Sarri, you know, in the last number of times they have met. And I think this was another example of him just really understanding the the you know the limitations of this team and understanding where Lazio is strong and that's in the midfield that that's the midfield Lazio has a much much better midfield than Juve and I think the plan with or without Danilo the Danilo's injury I think the plan was very much okay you're gonna get you're gonna have the ball we're not gonna control the midfield but you're not really going to do a lot with it and and I think that was that was pretty much the whole game like Danny said I mean they had one shot on on goal and of course Ciro Immobile not being there you know helps but still I think you know keeping a team with or without their starting striker to just one shot on goal I think that's just the strategy working you know perfectly and and I do agree with Sam in the sense that it did look kind of like a 4-5-1 uh, in defense it morphing kind of into a 4-3-3 in attack I, I think that that formation can work and I think it will continue to work it's obviously it's going to be a problem for once Dybala is back, but I think that can very easily sh- shift into a 4-4-2 with Morata and Dybala up front, but just having Chiesa and Cuadrado or Chiesa and Kolosovsky on the wings, I think that's just going to help a lot. I think this team looked so much better with Chiesa on the wings and, and Juan Cuadrado as a fullback. Is it sustainable? I don't know, because Juan Cuadrado is not a fullback. I know we've tried this experiment before, and and He's good for, you know, I mean, he's going to screw up defensively there because he's not a fullback and, and that's fine. It, it sounds tempting because it, it's a formation that can sort of fit all your best players there. I don't know if they're going to, you know, keep doing it, but I can I can definitely say confidently this is one of the better displays that we've seen from them. Not only because of the result, not only because of the way they played, but because it did look a bit more sustainable. I think the biggest win from this season up, up until now has been the Chelsea game. But, you know, you look at the way they played, you look at the formation and you're like, OK, that's not sustainable. They're not going to be able to do that against every team or against in a whole season. You look at the game yesterday and and you can definitely see a scenario in which if they keep playing with the same formation, if they keep building on this, it, it is sustainable. It is. It can work against any team and it can work against any you know, in European competition, in domestic competition, I think this is a, a, a path to sustainability for Juventus. And we've said this before. So, you know, take that with a grain of salt. But I, I, I am a little bit more hopeful in, in the 
things that I saw and the way they kind of figure out this game specifically that that leads me to believe that they could they could keep this going. Yes, we've said it many times before, <laughs> especially the last couple of years. We have, we have. We, we are wrong often. I think that's something that people don't realize, but we are wrong very, very often. For the record, Sari has the one win over Allegri in league play. That was the Koulibaly yeah. goal at the very end of that. Uh, and then Napoli frittered that away the very next uh, the very next week against Fiorentina. I think he's, I think he won like, I think he won the second leg of a Copa semifinal, but lost the tie um, I think, as well. I, I think that's the the extent of it, of his success. Yeah, I think the stat might have been then seven wins and two losses. Could have misheard that. But yeah, I mean, it, it does feel like historically Allegri has always gotten the best of, of Sarri in, in head-to-head matches. That said, though, I'd... For, you know, Sam, you kind of alluded to this. I don't think Lazio were all that bad yesterday, honestly. You know, I thought they were really, I mean, decent. I think the main problem was, and I was thinking about this yesterday, that I'm sure Chiro, Chiro Immobile was injured, but it's, it's pretty poor team management if you only have one center forward that you can rely on or that you trust in, you know, a big game. Because, I mean, obviously he's going to get injured slash suspended someday. And then, I mean, you have nothing. I mean, you if you only have that one one center forward that you trust um, then yeah i mean that's uh i mean awfully risky i think so yeah i mean either you know selling uh what's his name uh felipe caicedo yeah i mean that looks like it was uh and and joaquin uh, correa too but caicedo specialized in those late goals though like he was the super sub that came on and did something in the last five or ten minutes like I, th- I think last season he had like three goals in the last five minutes and or stoppage time to give Lazio points. And it's like, and it was a little bit of a surprise when, when they sold him. And yeah, the, the way that that is now is that is just Immobile and Muriqui, who is going to go down as one of the, the major Serie A transfer busts of all time, because they brought him in for a significant amount of money and he has been bad. <laughs> yeah, I think on the on the Paramount broadcast yesterday, they were talking about how, obviously, like Chuck said, you know, how kind of little faith they have in him. And then it was kind of just like, well, they got nobody else, so they might as well. And I'm just like, well, if you've reached that point, I mean, that kind of that kind of feels like, uh, I mean, name a Juventus player over the last decade who has been brought in for a decent amount of money and then has just been buried on the bench. I mean, that that's kind of like, well, you know, Locatelli's exhausted, McKinney's off injured or whatever. And I mean, Aaron Ramsey, I guess. I don't know. So, you know, it- <laughs> read my mind, man. Read my mind. <laughs> <laughs> it was just like, I don't know. It, it was funny just to see or just to hear their reaction to, to him coming on because it's like, you know, you, you could tell that they, Lazio just desperately missed Immobile. And then, as as we saw, you know, I mean, they're basically trying Milinkovic Savic as, as a makeshift number nine or a target man. And it's like, well, I mean, if you're pulling your best midfielder out of position just to be a target man, that kind of shows you what kind of faith you have in your backup number nine. So, yeah, it was it was interesting to see Saudi try and do the things he he thought might work, whereas obviously a whole lot of the buttons that Allegri pushed, whether it was Pellegrini or, or, uh, you know, the, the formation in general, uh, after Kulusevsky came on really, you know, paid, paid off and, and did relatively well. 
and Saudi's had success with that false nine before because you know you had he was very successful with Dries Mertens he was very successful with Dybala using a false nine when he didn't have a uh a nine he could he thought he could trust or a nine that or, or nine just what just flat out wasn't as good in the case of Dybala and Diguain, but which is why I thought that the the Pedro thing might work yesterday because Sadi knows how to do that and he's done it with with a, a significant amount of success before, but for whatever reason Lazio just didn't have. I think part of it had to do with you know even in even when he was playing Mertens in the middle when he was playing Dybala in the middle he had guys that could head the ball. You know, you had all, you know, how many times did we ha- did, did Jose Callejon when he was on Saudi's Napoli come just cut in for a bunch of headers off uh, at the, at, at, his, at his post from the, on the left side cross, you had Ronaldo who could drift in and, and head the ball all the time, but there, there wasn't anybody in that vein with Lazio. And I think that's what really hurt them because they could get the ball out wide and then they'd have to pass it around to try to find the lane to shoot the ball with, because no one up, you know, unless Milinkovic Savic was up making trying to make a run, there wasn't anybody that could go up and win the ball in the box. Yeah, and and it's you know it's also interesting with the whole false nine thing that Lazio made. I you know the only time I've really seen kind of that strikerless formation work is that time with Spain when uh, Fabregas was essentially center forward. Which I mean, you could even argue that that really you know, sort of didn't work. That they should have actually that they underscored based on uh, just on the amount of chances they made. But yeah, I mean, it's a very, very difficult system to play that kind of strikerless uh, formation. Uh, but yeah, just one quick point I'll make on uh, on Juve's attack uh, then before we uh, sort of move on. I think this game, I touched on it earlier, showed the importance of Dybala uh, to our team uh, because I think just that link, you know, that transition from, or that link between midfield and attack, well, that is, you know, Dybala, uh, that I mean, it, it's so important. Um, I'm really, really starting to appreciate the value of Dybala. And it's funny because I said, you know, I was one of the people that said, like, eh, I guess we can let him leave. But now I really see just how important because, um, you know, we talk about our offensive struggles. And I think, again, part of that is someone just kind of, you know, just carrying that ball from mid or connecting that the, the play between midfield and attack so effectively which the bala does do and when yeah when you don't have him it's just it, it it does i think it does contribute to our lack of uh offensive output that it's just you know the ball gets just stuck or just doesn't really flow through attack very well you know it was surprising i think we, we've you know we've been doing this podcast for like 20 25 minutes and we hadn't crapped on aaron ramsey which is you know a regularly scheduled moment to to do it so i'm i'm, I'm happy Go that for we it I, I, no, I'm happy that we already did. I'm happy that we already, you know, made across that in, in our checklist. But, you know, speaking of, of not having a lot of strikers, I, I think Juve kind of doesn't have a ton of reliable strikers right now. I think one of the guys that, that for me was probably one of the least impressive performers out there was Salvador Morata. I think he, he kind of, you know, he, I, I know he did a lot of the nitty gritty, dirty work. And it wasn't really a game that was going to be super high power defensively for Juventus. That that was the, the game plan. But I was kind of, you know, I, I was kind of let down by him. I was kind of disappointed by his performance a little bit. I think when when Moise Keane came on, I think that the team immediately kind of, you know, shifted up a gear. I think he, he brought a lot of, you know, a, a different pace, a different skill, just much more work rates than what we were seeing from Morata. 
And I think, you know, Juventus does have a problem, I think, in, at the striker position, whenever more, we, we know who Morata is, we know he's a hot and cold striker. And we know that he can, you know, be right up there with the best in the league when he's in one of his hot streaks. But he can also be really, really disappointing when he's on a cold streak. And I, I worry that, you know, Juventus doesn't really have anyone that can step up when that happens. And I kind of think that right now Morata is, is on a cold streak. And I, I wish we, you know, I, I kind of want to see more out of Moiskina. I kind of want to see more of, out of Caio George to see, you know, if, if, if they can become that guy next year or, or moving forward once uh, Morata's loan deal ends. You know, I, I think that that's going to be something interesting to, to look forward to. Yeah, I do think that Kane really deserves a little bit more playing time at this point off of that performance. He was excellent in 15 minutes, and I think he needs to have more than 15 minutes. For the record, Alvaro Morata, since his goal against AC Milan, the, the awesome counterattack right at the beginning of the game, and that was, what, middle of September? He has all of one goal in 11 games. Yeah, yeah, that's tough. That's tough. And, and, and listen, that's what you're going to get with Alvaro Morata. We all know that. Juventus made a bet on, on really relying on him as their number one, you know, target man. Well, I guess they were kind of forced into it. They really didn't have a lot of other choices. But, you know, that's that's tough. When you rely on, on a guy that's such a, you know, inconsistent, that that's who he is, you know, you, you're you're made, taking a big risk. And right now, I think Juventus is, is suffering a lot, a lot in that regard. And it has a lot to do with what Sam was saying, right? That they need to, you know, finish the games and they need to have a much more aggressive mentality. I think that a lot of that has to do with the fact that they just don't have a guy right now that can score those goals consistently. And unfortunately, you know, it is what it is. Unless Keane or Kaya George takes a massive leap and, and suddenly becomes that, you know, day in, day out guy. Uh, that's that's just who they're going to be. They're going to have to, to rely on Morata a lot. And that's not always a winning strategy. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Definitely. And now, as we look ahead, obviously, an- another big game in a week full of big games here coming up on Tuesday with Juventus heading to London to face Chelsea, the reigning uh, Champions League winners in what is possibly a game in where Juventus could wrap up top spot in their Champions League group, which a few months ago, I don't know if anybody could have predicted that or even thought it was possible. So I'm actually going to dip into the well of Twitter questions here to get the Chelsea conversation going from at Foman Josh. Do we stand a chance against Chelsea with a depleted squad? And my response to that is just remember how depleted things were 
the last time Juventus played Chelsea. Yeah, Chelsea were also a little bit depleted in a major area. Ah, minor details. Minor, min, the minor detail that yeah, that minor detail being Golo Kante, who might be the best midfielder on the planet right now. But uh, hmm. but all you need is the draw to ensure top spot. Again, you know, top spot is not as huge a thing as it used to be. We've talked about that before on the podcast, but it's still nice. It's still a morale boost to to go in in the seed pot. Uh, I will say that the re- getting the result that we need, very possible, but it is going to have to take the kind of game that we played against Chelsea the kind uh, the first time, the kind of game we played against Lazio this time. And again, you cannot afford mistakes, but I wouldn't necessarily bet on it because I have no money and a child right now. But uh, <laughs> but if you do did. I think it's- if I did, if I did, I, I would put I would put money on a draw for this. I, I do think Juve can 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 dig out that one point and 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 work from there. Yeah, I, I think that the, the game plan is pretty clear in, in the sense that they have a chance. I think they have a chance because they're going to do exactly what they did in in Italy. They're going to you know essentially park the bus, grit their teeth, and hope to get lucky on a counter. I think if they did that when they were at home, they're definitely going to do that in London. And weirdly enough, it has proven to be a somewhat reliable strategy. They have won games like that. Uh, so, you know, whether or not they have a chance, absolutely they have a chance. I think, you know, the, the win that they just had, I think that's just going to be good for morale, for the vibes. I definitely think that that they have a chance. Now, whether or not that actually happens, entirely different thing. Like Sam said, I I don't know if I bet on it, but they're, they're definitely going to go to London and pretty much try to replicate what happened in, in Italy. And look, they're playing really well. I think Matthijs Alec, Leo Bonucci just authored probably one of their better performances of the season, if not, well, I think one of the better, probably not the best, but one of the better performances of the season against Lazio. Uh, I, I think they're in good form. Can they park the bus in London for 90 minutes and go get away with a win or with a draw? I think that can definitely happen. I, I, I do give them a, a pretty fair shot i'm a lot more confident in them going into this game than i was uh, when chelsea visited the the Allianz stadium for sure I, I i think they they have a solid blueprint to to get that result yeah i don't have too much to add to that besides just kind of uh, i was just looking up some news about lukaku if he's fit uh he remains uh a doubt for uh tuesday's game so we'll see i Percy, I mean, from experience of seeing how these things go, usually when big players like that are a doubt going into a game like this where they don't necessarily, where it's not do or die. I mean, it's not do or die for Chelsea, clearly, to win this. I doubt uh, Tuchel will play him any more than like 15 minutes or so. So, I mean, hey, you know, that's good. Timo Werner is uh, fit while he was on the bench uh, for uh, the game against Leicester City yesterday as well. So, yeah, just some updates on that um yeah i mean i'm cautiously optimistic i think it'll probably just be a very ugly ugly draw but um chelsea are in really good form i mean you know they've missed their two main strikers but they are still top of the league uh with a plus 26 goal difference and uh yeah three points out of city so you know despite the win that we had earlier in the group stage uh you know i'll still uh, still be cautious for this one and another team that is not playing with a or that is not playing with another natural number nine up front. I mean, like you alluded to in the, the Leicester win this weekend, Chucks, it was a, 
I believe what Kai Havertz up top, quote unquote, leading the line. So, <laughs> yep, it was. And then for uh, what was it 62 minutes, and then Pulisic and uh, Ziyech came on. So yeah, a strikerless formation uh, that is the uh, that's in vogue these days. And that that goal differential, that's Thomas Tuchel in a nutshell, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. <laughs> it really is. It's. Uh, I mean, it's quite remarkable, really. I'm just looking at the numbers uh, as we speak, and uh, yeah, 30 goals scored and a mere four conceded in 12 games. We'll transition into a couple of Twitter questions. We got a bunch of them, so it'll be around the horn with different questions for each person here. We will start with a question here from at our Rusitano. Aaron Ramsey hurt or purposely held back to keep him fresh for a January sale? Sam. He's your boy. What do you think? Hurt. <laughs> because not the answer, not, I mean, that's like a, that's like playing a game of three card Monty. You know, it's not come, you know, the queen's not coming. It's he's, he is, he's, I, I absolutely think he's hurt. I mean, cause you know, it wouldn't be a bad idea to throw him on every couple of minutes just as, you know, to say, Hey, no, yeah, he's still got it. Mid table English club looking to, you know, Newcastle looking to, to get out of the relegation zone before you, uh, you, you know, you know, before the Saudis even get to have the chance to try to supersize you. Like, I, I, I do think he's hurt. I don't think that they're, uh, that they're holding him out because frankly, it's not all that certain that we'll be able to get rid of him because that wage is huge and who would, and who knows what anybody might actually pay for him. I mean, obviously it was a free transfer. So anything is, is profit as long as you take his wages into account, but unless the, the, the new Saudi owners at, at Newcastle are that desperate to try to get something in with, you know, rock bottom six point, I think believe they've got six points right now, five off of safety, five below leads. Um, that's, and their brand new manager is out with COVID. Yeah. It's um, you know, they're the only team, they might be one of the only, they might be the only team in the entirety of the top five leagues that hasn't won a game yet in league play though, given. Oh no, not, not, no. Levante is also winless in, in La Liga, but like, you, I mean, you get my, you get my drift. It's, I mean, they have just been terrible and, you know, maybe a, a getting, picking up Ramsey and, and, and trying hope, hoping that he stays healthy. There is, you know, kind of the desperation throw to get themselves out of the, out of the drop zone and avoid having to build back into the premier league before they even can, you know, flex financial muscles to, to become the next city. But yeah, I, I, I definitely think he's still hurt because he's always hurt. Next one over to you, Chuck, since you love make, making predictions from at lap is goat. Will Juventus win a champions league knockout round this season? Oh, a knockout round. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah i mean obvious answers it all depends on who we draw of course yeah i'll give kind of a general answer on that i think if we get somewhat paradoxically i think if we get a big team uh like a i don't know psg slash city or i don't know united although we could dispute if they're a big team still but um yeah if we get like a big team like that you know psg uh, city or something uh, i actually think we stand a chance because i truly think that you've is only remotely bothered to play well against big teams. <laughs> Honestly, I'm becoming more and more convinced of that as time goes on. But if we draw, like, I don't know, if by some stroke of magic sheriff or something makes it through, uh, which, hey, they could, they could. Um, then, you know, if we draw like a sheriff, I think we'll mess it up because it's just, it'll be so, so typical. 
All right, Sergio, over to you since you were mentioning him earlier. From at Johnny0007, Moiskeen looked decent when subbed on against Lazio. Who should be the main striker, him or Alvaro Morata? I think it really depends on which team. I, I think at this point in his career, I think Moiskeen, you know, this. I, I agree. I think he looked really well against Lazio. But I think at this point in his career, he kind of struggles a bit with the being that hold up guy, you know, kind of playing with your back against the, the goal. That's something that he definitely, I, I think, needs to improve. And I think that's something that Morata does a lot better that, than, that, than Keane at this point in, in their respective careers. Now, I think, for example, against a team like Lazio or against a, a team like Chelsea in the way they're going to play, which is going to be very much trying to hit them on the counter, I think Moiskin gives you a lot more and I think can be a lot more, you know, aggressive. I think he has a lot more pace. I think he has a lot of flair. Like, like he threw a... Like he he made a couple moves against Lazio, which were really really impressive playing in the in the counter attack. So I I do hope to see Moiskin against Chelsea just because of the matchup. I think at this point, if you're Juventus, you don't really have a you know top complete striker that can play against any team. I think it really does depend against if you're going against a, a team at the bottom of the table and you're going to have to be in the attack. I think Alvaro Morata is still your better option. But if you're going to play in the counter, if you're just going to give them the ball and, and try to hit them on the counter, I think Moiskin is the better player for doing that. Also, Morata is in really bad form as we were speaking, as we we're talking. So I think right now I would I would go with Moiskin against Chelsea and I would give him more more minutes. I definitely think he deserves them now that now that he's healthy and you know while Alvaro Morata kind of figures it out and kind of you know busts out of his lump. I think that that's going to help a lot uh, for both the club and for for a young guy like Moiskin to start getting minutes in in big matches, and especially a big match that I think is very suit is very suited to to his skill set. All right, next one over to Sam since it's one of his favorite topics from at Born Bruin seventy seven. Why the f do Juve players suffer all these muscle injuries? Is it fatigue, lack of therapy, incompetent medical staff? It's been going on for years under Max. Or Kalonos Dos. No, I mean, it, it is a hallmark of Max. It's been a hallmark of Max for quite some time. I mean, uh, when I was writing for Bleacher Report, I remember mentioning Max Allegri's penchant for muscle injuries. I mean, uh, uh, you know, he wore Stefan El Sharawi out that first year that El Sharawi really broke out for AC Milan that, that he never really was the same player again. That being said, I also think, you know, and this is one of the things that uh, that gets bandied around a lot when things like the Super League are brought up, which I think is it's disingenuous to do it in the, in that case. But the 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 footballing calendar is just so crammed, and COVID only made it more so the last couple of years that we're we're seeing all these a lot of these muscle injuries. Um, at Juve and everywhere else um, just because these guys are at their breaking point and there has to be a better, there has to be a better way. I mean, I remember Thibaut Courtois uh, right before the, the nation's league consolation game between Belgium and Italy last month was, was really pissed at having to play it at all. He was like, who cares about third place? We're not robots. Why do we have to play this extra game? television money obviously that's the answer 
but but yeah these i mean these guys are shot to hell at this point and it's really it's it's not good and they need to they need the re- they need rest and they're not going to be getting it <laughs> especially since because of the world cup next year being in november the and december the summer break is going to be that much shorter to try to accommodate it most likely so yeah that that that's the main reason why we're seeing even more than usual but it's also just a fact of life when max allegri is your coach it's just exacerbated by by this extreme fixture congestion that these guys just can't sustain all right chucks next one over to you from at dlope 95 with Danilo now injured and Quadrado going back to right back, do we strictly see a 4-3-3 from now on? And with this switch, do we see Rabio playing his best ball since the first half of last season? Yeah, so I guess I partly answered that kind of earlier in the podcast about um, just a dilemma of, you know, how are we going to fit uh, Dybala into the team? Then, you know, what are we going to do with him? Uh, play him in that false nine. Um, speaking of Morata being on the form, I mean, playing false nine, uh, which I doubt. I mean, I doubt that. But just because, I mean, Allegri, I don't think Allegri has ever really done that. I don't think he's ever really been a false nine person. I think only Sari uh, tried that. So, but yeah, I, I doubt that. So yeah, really it's, I mean, Dybala on the right wing or... Yeah, we go back to four four two and playing centrally again. So uh, yeah, I think that is really the crucial determinant of whether we're going to play four four two or four three three slash four five one. Is um, yeah, what will Allegri want to do with DiBala? Assuming he's fit, which I suppose he will be. I mean, I've, from what I understand, it was just you know the whole thing from the international break uh, was as caution, and then I guess just yeah, kind of fatigue slash you know precaution to not play him against Lazio so yeah I think it's going to depend on that um, assuming that we do play 4-3-3 then uh, for sure yeah I mean Rabio, I think will play much better that said though you know I was thinking about this just before we came on you know obviously we've had all these issues with the 4-4-2 and we've expressed our opinions about it very much but despite Rabio playing on the left and our complaints about it I mean I Honestly, don't even think he's been on an individual performance level. I don't think he's even been all that catastrophically bad just on an individual level with his performances. Um, I really, yeah, don't remember a game where he's really like, oh my God, he's just absolutely God awful. Um, yeah, was it? I mean, obviously, it wasn't like, you know, Federico Chiesa level of performances, but I think it is just kind of testament to, you know, maybe Rabio just being a better player than we give him credit for. Um, to be able to play in such a position for so long, um, you know, out of position and still put in, I mean, you know, acceptable performances really and just steady performances. Again, not great, but still uh, steady performances. But nevertheless, I mean, definitely centrally is, I mean, that's just his his best position. All right, Sergio, next one over to you since you are the resident agent of chaos and we are going to talk a little transfer rumor here real quick from at Diego R Naranjo. I know the hazard rumors are probably nothing, but maybe he needs to leave Madrid to return to his best self. Should Juve give him a chance? I just might add, I want to say Eden Hazard's name, like the guy from El Chirin Guito. So, you know, that's, that's always fun. Hazard. Yes, he should leave Real Madrid. I do agree with that part. Uh, you know, I think Real Madrid is, is, you know, I don't like the team. I think that is very well known, <laughs> but it, it is second that, not second that. <laughs> not every player is made to be successful there. I, I've been 
because of the all-knowing Facebook algorithm, uh, it's been, you know, sending me a bunch of links to old like La Liga videos because I clicked on something about Rafa Marquez once and now it's like, oh, you like that. So here you go, like a thousand. And it's just, a, I forget how many players actually played in Real Madrid at one point. And it, it, a bunch of really, really good players. And you look back, it's like they didn't really performed great in Real Madrid. Arjen Robin was one of them. Uh, I think Michael Owen was one of them. Like so many players just came to Real Madrid and didn't perform. I think it's a tough environment to succeed. Uh, not that you can't do it. I, I just think it's it's tough. And I don't think it devalues the quality of the player. I think Eden Hazard's still a, a potentially very talented guy, potentially very talented player that just hasn't really panned out in Real Madrid. And I think it is best for everyone at this point to to part ways whether that is at Juve that I, I struggle to say that technically I guess he could fit a need but but because they don't really have a ton of guys that play on, the, on that left wing but it's just adding more wingers to a problem that you do you already have enough wingers like you don't really need him and I can't really see a way of Juve getting him at anything resembling an affordable fee or you know uh, an affordable wage I, I just don't don't really see it I, I think that's just nothing and it's just one of those things that they need to fill the airwaves and it's like oh it's a big name linked to a big club that that's that's it because I just don't see why Juventus would take that shot I, I think that's just making a big bet on, on a guy going back to to his previous form And I just don't think that Juventus is at a point as a club that they need to be taking those risks. I, I think the best way forward for, for Hazard is, is just to kind of go to a maybe a mid-table club in, in England or in Germany or something like that and try to get his form there with a team that is willing to make that bet and willing to take that risk that he can come back to, to being the guy that, that he has shown that he can be. But I just don't, don't really see him at, at Juventus, no. Plus, if we think that Aaron Ramsey has hurt a lot, Eden Hazard isn't exactly the model of fitness, is he? Yeah, no, definitely not. They, they, they do not need to be taking in more injury-prone guys. That, that's the one thing they don't need. They don't need more wingers, and they don't need more injury-prone guys. All right, we will wrap things up with this question here for everybody on a fun note. From at Juventino underscore BNA, is Leonardo Bonucci the striker we've been missing all along? <laughs> Certainly the, I don't know about the striker we've been missing all along. He's probably certainly the penalty taker that Italy's been missing all along. That well, certainly he, lately. Certainly that was. Uh, I mean, if you don't think that was a little bit of a state, I, I mean, he's he'll he'll never say that that was a statement, but it it kind. I I don't think that there's any. Uh, I, I don't think there's any doubt that it it kind of was. I mean that. And, and it's, it's kind of hilarious too, because I remember in the, the 2013 Confederations Cup when Italy played Spain in the semifinals, and it was nil-nil, went into a shootout, and it went like, went eight, nine, ten rounds. It was a long shootout. No, not nine or ten, but it was like, it was seven or eight rounds the shootout went, and Bonucci was the last guy to go for Italy. Italy was for Italy had shot first, and he went up, and you knew he was, and I looked at his face, and I knew he was going to gonna miss, and he, did, and he skied it. And since that moment, he look he looks like he's taken that and 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 made it a part of him and and made a, a concerted effort that I'm never gonna let that happen to me again. And now he's the guy that goes third for in the in the order in 
in shootouts at the national team level. And he, he is, he's the second penalty taker on this team after Dybala. You know, I, I can't think of anybody else that would, that would take one. Um, Aaron Ramsey. Yeah. Right. Uh, <laughs> Ram, Ramsey would, is, is there a rule to, as to what ha- would happen if, uh, if Ramsey uh, pulls his hamstring during the run-up and can't actually address the ball? It, it would um, only happen for Juventus. And not for I don't us. know. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, so I, I, I don't, yeah, obviously, you know, he's not going to be, he, he's not the number he's, it's not the, you know, the number nine we've all been waiting for because he doesn't have those instincts, but is he, is, is, is he the, uh, you know, is he nails when it comes to getting down to the penalty spot nowadays? Yeah. Yeah, he is. Well, given that we are the joint worst attack uh, of the top 12 uh, teams, uh, why not? <laughs> why not? I mean, I can't lose too much there. I mean, hell, if he can score free kicks, or if he can take free kicks as well, hey, I mean, you know, time for a time for a little uh, upgrade and a pay bump for uh, old Leonardo Bonucci. So, uh, well, you know, why not? Uh, although, if we did do that, then he wouldn't make those weird mistakes where he like sticks out his leg and like we wouldn't have to see that anymore, you know, in defense where he like does that awkward like sticks the leg behind his back and then does the annoying. Uh... <laughs> well, well, I'll jump in before Sergio. Does that mean more Daniele Rugani? Oh my man! I mean, hey, it's it's redemption time. Uh, every, everyone deserves redemption. <laughs> Bernadeschi did it, so everybody. Uh, Pellegrini, wow, okay, redemption. Technically, you never got a chance. So yeah, hey, why not? Why not? Any any plan that involves more Daniele Rugani is just null and void, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> like I have no interest hearing any plan that involves giving Daniele Rugani more playing time than absolutely the necessary minutes that he has to play it just just as, a, as an aside I, I think it's just fun when a center back is really good at pks i just enjoy that from a stylistic perspective i guess i don't know i i, I kind of like that and honestly I, you know people who listen to this podcast people who who read the blogs know that i that i'm you know paulo divala's number one stand but i i honestly i'd rather have bonucci take the pks paulo divala for all for for what a great player he is I think he's always kind of been shaky with PKs. I don't feel super confident when he takes them. And with Bonucci, I just I just know he's going to score it. He's actually a really really good PK taker and and you know I just I just enjoy that. I enjoy that when the defender can, you know, make PKs and make them really well. That was something that I liked about the guy that was talking about Rafa Marquez in, in Mexico, I, I think that was something great that he he would take the PKs and he would take free kicks and stuff like that. So yeah, I I I I'd honestly I'd rather have him be the the full time penalty penalty taker. Honestly, according to transfer market, he's only missed four penalties since he uh, since he became a Juventus player, DiBala. So I don't know. I mean, I personally, I personally trust him pretty what pretty damn well when he steps up but that's just, i, I don't fully know. admit this is much more of a vibe thing than maybe something that's stats based i, I just know just some some dudes just give you more confidence and i i just i i i also think that's because he missed i think he missed in a coppa italia final or semi-final or something and that just kind of ruined the, the whole concept of him taking pks he's gonna keep taking them he's a vice captain and he's good at them like sam's saying like it's just it's just a vibes thing mostly. It's just a perception thing. But but yeah, it, it's always good to have a, a guy like Bonucci who you know that can step up to the to the spot and, and make them. No stats, just vibes. 
Exactly. Great vibes. That's the, yeah, that's uh, really that's really the, the level of, of analysis I'm aiming for all the time. It's like yeah, nothing going, based in reality, just like how I feel at the moment. Going all the way back to his last season at Palermo, he's 25 and four. Does that include the one he technically missed against Zenit and then got lucky? With. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, no, but he got lucky. And so that's fine. Like, you know. And that's yeah, and that's for that's for domestic competition. I yeah. actually plus, what is plus it the last three years he hadn't really been taking <laughs> all that many of them. Yeah, that too because Ronaldo had in the Champions League he is three and zero, three miss, uh, three taken, three scored, no misses. I do not care for your stats and facts, Samuel. <laughs> and I'm sticking by it. I'm, I'm sticking with the take. Yeah, that's basically a society these days. So you're well in line with that. I refuse to acknowledge your facts right now. Well, we we will wrap things up on that very fact-based note. Yeah, before think, we go political. Right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Chuck's anon. No. Um, <laughs> 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 thank you all for your twitter questions we always appreciate it we got a whole lot of responses this week and we always like when we can spread spread them around and do something around the horn like we did on this zoom call so as always you can send your twitter questions to us at juventus nation on twitter you can also follow us there as well as on facebook search black and white and red all over you can also search that for your podcasting subscription needs whether it is Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts, search black and white and red over there. So with all the plugs out of the way, for Sam, for Chucks, and for the vibes-based Sergio Romero, this is Danny saying thank you very much for listening, and we will talk to you guys next week. <laughs> <laughs>